Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. Asa didn't only listen to the Word of God and be encouraged, but then he acted upon it. That's what God wants. You can't leave here tonight and say, well, praise God, I'm going through a difficult time. I know God's going to be with me. Get home tonight and go, man, I'm worried. What's happening here? You didn't take it very far from the point of where you heard it. You have to act on it. That's what faith is. You said, well, I haven't seen it yet. That's faith is not seeing it and acting as if it was there because God is going to be there. A little encouragement goes a long way. You know how you feel when you've spent time teaching a kid's class at church or organizing an outreach and someone says thank you? Although our efforts for the Lord shouldn't be self-seeking, it means a lot to know that your obedience is producing fruit. We want that encouragement, but we need to give it as well. Make a point to give a brother or sister a pat on the back when you see them using their life to honor the Lord through their work. As we'll hear today, Asa is so moved by the words and prophecy given to him about his labors for the Lord that he makes even more of an effort to put him first. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 15, verse 1, with part one of our message entitled, The Spirit and the Word. Now remember, we're talking about Asa, the king. You remember the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, and he prophesied to Asa, who was the king of Judah, southern kingdom. He said, if you seek him, he'll be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. And it went through, and these people understood what was happening. Notice verse 3, and then we'll go right to verse 4. For a long time, Israel was without the true God, without a priest to teach. We'll see a little more of that later. And without the law. So what happened is, verse 4 shows what the life is like without that. It says, in their distress, you might want to circle that word, they turned to the Lord. The God of Israel... And they sought him, and he was found by them. What that means is this. I believe you're going to see this more and more. We might even see it in our community, because our community is being affected like everyone else. During difficult times, many people turn to the Lord. Notice it says, in their distress... They turn to the Lord. What usually happens, and when I go overseas, I like to go overseas for lots of reasons, but because it brings a realism to what life is about. But when you go, you realize that usually they're much more on for God because every day is a life and death for them. It's just disaster often. So you notice here it says they turn to the Lord. I think that's where you and I have to be really sensitive I believe with our unsaved friends, 
there's ten, in fact, I was talking with my wife tonight. She was talking about a certain individual that she had witnessed to before and whatever, and someone had just now shared with her that this person is kind of now open. The person was never open when my wife shared. This is a numbers and numbers of months ago. But now, all kinds of disasters have happened in their life. Now they're starting to ask. Well, we have to be careful, and you'll see here, we want to be like God. Sometimes when we share with a lost loved one or relative or friend, and they kind of blow us off because things are going good, when they come asking for help, we kind of want to say, well, yeah, now you want uh, God to help you. Well, remember, that's not God's way of working. So we have to be careful we don't represent Him wrongly. So be ready, be patient, still be sharing, but sometimes the door isn't open. You can't cause people to come to Christ. But there will be distress times in their life. And if we've done a good job of sharing how God ministers to us in good times and bad, they'll turn to us because they know we know God. I think this is very important for some of us who have in-laws or relatives or sons or daughters that are prodigals. There'll be a time when they'll turn to God. Remember, it says when the prodigal came to his senses. So that's what you pray for. Just keep praying. Those of you that have a son and daughter tonight that don't know God, just keep praying. Don't give up hope for our lost friends and our loved ones and our neighbors and our co-workers. Notice, in their distress, they turned to the Lord, and what happened? And God of Israel came to their rescue. That's God's grace. We want to say, well, yeah, let's see if they're really serious about God. No, God just came. Aren't you glad he did? He just came. That's what's called grace. He shouldn't have come, but he comes because he's a God of grace. He doesn't want anyone to perish. So don't give up tonight. If you have those relatives and friends, and we all do, and certainly loved ones. Verse 5. In those days, it was not safe to travel on I-95 or Wickham or whatever. It, for all the inhabitants of the land were in great turmoil. One na- This is why they were turning to God. One nation was being crushed by another, one city by another, because God was troubling them with every kind of distress. You see, God has a interesting ways to allow trouble to come into people's lives. He allows it so that they will go, Hello, this is not good. I was sharing with somebody at the end of the service, one of our services recently, a young girl, young lady actually, and uh, going through a very difficult time in her life. And I prayed with her. She came after the service actually up to talk with me. I never met her before. A friend brought her. She said this, I've tried everything else. None of it works. I'm going to try God. Now you could say, well, what kind of a statement is that? No, I said, you've come to the right place. Everything else is a dead end. God is never a dead end. So we have to make sure that we're full of grace and mercy to these individuals. Notice what the prophecy goes on and says, But as for you, while all this stuff is troubling, you be strong. Do not give up, for your work will be rewarded. You see, the prophet was giving encouraging words to Asa and Judah. Life is tough. There are difficult times in all of our lives. And we need times of encouragement. 
leaders, we need to be encouragers. This prophet, speaking for God, was encouraging the people, encouraging the leadership. I think it's important that all of us realize that life is tough. We need to be encouragers. And this is what the prophet did. And he, he brought from God a word of prophecy. And notice it says, just be strong. Don't give up. Stick with it. And it, when I read that immediately, 1 Corinthians 15, I'll just read it to you. 58 says this, Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So Asa got this encouragement, even though it's very difficult. He's a good king, but things aren't going very well. But he got this great encouragement from God through a word of prophecy. Look at verse 8. When Asa heard these words, and the prophecy of Azariah, son of Oded, the prophet, he took courage. He removed the detestable idols from the whole land of Judah and Benjamin, from the towns he had captured in the hills of Ephraim. He repaired the altar of the Lord that was in front of the portico of the Lord's temple. So what this shows is, when God uses the word of prophecy, or just the teaching of God's word, the value of listening to it. You might have come in, discouraged, this difficult time in your life. Well, right now, as we've been just reading the word of God, the word of God has brought you hope. It's brought a new outlook. You're taking your eyes off the problem and you're putting them back where they should be on God. Notice, Asa didn't only listen to the word of God and be encouraged, but then he acted upon it. That's what God wants. You can't leave here tonight and say, well, praise God, I'm going through a difficult time. I know God's going to be with me. Get home tonight and go, man, I'm worried. What's happening here? You didn't take it very far from the point of where you heard it. You have to act on it. That's what faith is. You said, well, I haven't seen it yet. That's faith is not seeing it and acting as if it was there because God is going to be there. So this is a key. When we teach the word of God, I try to teach it so that you will listen. If you'll listen, it's from God. It will encourage you and it will encourage you and myself to act. That's what takes place as we do that. Now, as we're encouraging others... Being encouraged ourselves, just think of all the things of God. Let me give you four or five passages. You can just write them down. I'm not going to read them tonight. You want to be encouraged, just read these. Romans 8.31. Next, 2 Timothy 2.1. Another one. Romans 8.1 again. 2 Timothy 2.1. 2 Thessalonians 2.15. Philippians chapter 1, 3 through 6. Just read those and the word will encourage you. Remember we talked about Sunday, and let me just remind you. We talked about the power of our words. Be an encourager. When you head out tonight, and here's a great idea. You head over and you have kids over there. People have been ministering to your kids. Tell them thanks. You know how wonderful your children can be from time to time. Just tell them thanks. What a blessing. As you head out of here tonight, see the parking lot, guys. Tell them thanks. And the band and all the different people. As you go have a, your second free cup of Coke or whatever, say thanks. This is wonderful. This is what it's about. We need to have encouraging words coming out of our mouths. It will bless you and it will bless many others. Verse 9. I love this verse. So Asa started tearing down all the pagan jazz. Look at 9. Then he assembled all of Judah and Benjamin. Remember again, these are the two tribes in the southern half 
who are really on for God now, and the people from Ephraim, Manasseh, and Simeon, who had settled among them, from these other little three tribes, for large numbers had come over to him, to Asa, from Israel, from the northern countries, when they saw that the Lord, his God, was with him. I personally believe that is the key to church growth. We're not into programs about church growth. I'm not interested in going to places where they talk about church growth. I think we have all the guidelines we need right here. Notice, when the word got out that God was in the house, the people started coming. You see, when the word gets out, as it has been doing, that this is a place where God is, and his word is honored, and we worship, we worship so it isn't bizarre, people aren't drawing attention to themselves, running up down the aisles, whatever, and that's fine if that's the church you want, that's fine, great flavor, that's just not who we are. Either are we a morgue, but we don't draw attention to ourselves, we draw attention to who? God, that's why we're here. And when the word gets out that God is in the house, what is happening? People are coming. The other secret is love. Shed around here. See, this church gets larger and that's no big deal to any of us. Because it stays small if we love people. If we love one another. So I encourage you to be an encourager. When the word gets out that God's in the house, get ready. Another service is coming. Next sanctuary is coming. Why? People are hungry for the real presence of God. And that's only can come from God, can't come from us. He shows up when we honor Him and His Word. And that's what we try to do. Verse 10. And they assembled at Jerusalem in the third month of the fifteenth year of Asa's reign. At that time they sacrificed to the Lord seven hundred head of cattle and seven thousand sheep and goats from the plunder they had brought back. They entered into a covenant to seek the Lord, the God of their fathers. You might want to undercircle this. With all their heart and soul. So, when people get right with God, as we're growing, we're going to be sharing. And God's going to add to the church. What happens then? Worship stays lively. The Word stays lively. And as these people came and they saw God was here, their hearts are right, the Word of God came again. Worship is part of that. That's why we spend the time, a quality time in worship here. Because God needs to be honored. And that's an important part of our lives. Verse 13. Here's the other part of that prophecy. We don't really understand what happened here, but God is a God of justice. We don't like verse 13, but it's true. All who would not seek the Lord, the God of Israel, were put to death, whether small or great, man or woman. I've never heard anybody really use that as a key verse to teach a lesson. But it's still true. You see, there's, if you don't see God, as Ephesians chapter 2 says, you remain dead in your trespasses and sin. And when you do pass on, you will be dead, spiritually with no chance. Verse 14, they took an oath to the Lord with loud acclamation, with shouting and with trumpets and horns, and all Judah rejoiced about the oath because they'd sworn it wholeheartedly. In other words, you see some folks dying because they're playing at it, you're going to be wholehearted for God. They sought God eagerly. And he, as he promised, was found by them. So the Lord God gave them rest 
on every side. If our hearts are fully committed to God, that one of the first things we have in our life is peace. Storms everywhere, turmoil everywhere. If we're in the will of God, still peace. Verse 16. King Asa also deposed his grandmother, Micah, from her position as queen mother. Can you see this happening in England? Because she had made a repulsive Asheroth pole. Asa cut the pole down, broke it up, burned it in the Kidron Valley, and basically removed his grandmother from her royal position. Now, what this simply means is this. When there's reformation, when there's revival, it doesn't matter who stands in the way. doesn't matter who, doesn't matter what. You have to put God first. That's what Asa did. Here's something you need to remember. Sometimes taking a stand for God will affect our relatives, our friends, our place at work. You must do what is right. It can affect us, but you can't allow that from keeping you full on for God. So just remember that. It's going to happen in your life. It's going to happen in all of our lives. Verse 17. Although he did not remove the high places from Israel, Asa's heart was fully committed to the Lord all his life. He brought into the temple of God the silver and the gold and the articles that he and his father had dedicated. There was no more war, as God promised peace, until the 35th year of Asa's reign. So Asa, when we look at Judah, is one of the good kings. He really had a heart for God. But I have to say after that, and at the end of verse 19, but, but... He started very well. He, he just started tearing down stuff and doing it full on for God. But we'll see a difference in chapter 16. In the 36th year of Asa's reign, Basha, king of Israel, went up against Judah and fortified Ramah to prevent anyone from leaving or ending their territory of Asa, king of Judah. Now remember, Israel is in civil war. Israel in the north and Judah in the south. So the Israelite king in the north has gone to uh, the Damascus king in the area of Damascus, or Aram, and he's asked for protection. And I mean, he's building all these areas and not allowing Asa to move militarily or any other way from his territory. So look what happens. Asa, seeing this, goes against his own people by using a pagan king. That's strange what we do when we're inward fighting. Look at verse 2. Asa then took the silver and the gold out of the treasuries of the Lord's temple in his own palace, and he sent it to Ben-Hadad, king of Aram, who was ruling in Damascus. Let there be a treaty between me and you as there was between my father and your father. See, I am sending you silver and gold. Now break your treaty with Basha, king of Israel, so he will withdraw from me. So King Asa is threatened, obviously, by this war. So he bribes a pagan king, Ben-Hadad, the Aramean king, to make a defense treaty with him. He gives him more money. He pays higher 
And he says, you do this so that you will break the treaty with my blood brother up here in Israel. Here again, Israel and Judah making treaties with the enemy rather than with themselves. Verse 4, well, because of money, Ben-Hadad agreed with King Asa, and he sent the commanders of his forces against the towns of Israel. They joined these towns and all the store cities of Naphtali. When Basha heard this, he stopped building Ramah. He got scared, abandoned his work. Then King Asa brought all the men of Judah, and they carried away from Ramah the stones and the timber Basha had been using. With them, he built up Geba and Mizpah. So Ben-Hadad agrees. He goes, he invades northern Israel, takes them to special towns. Uh, the king of Israel up there changes his plans. Asa then goes and dismantles all the work that was done, uses these materials, stone, timber, and so forth, to come back and build up his own defenses again against his brothers up in the northern part of Israel. Looks pretty good. Plans seem to work. It protected his nation. He's doing what he thinks is right. But God has another idea. Look at verse 7. By the way, just by this verse, you might want to write this. The end can never justify the means. At that time, God's going to get attention of Asa again. The seer came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, Because you relied on King Aram and not on the Lord your God, the army of the king of Aram has escaped from your hand. So in other words, he says, you relied on pagan king to bring peace instead of me. Then the seer, the prophet, reminds him of past history. Were not the Cushites and the Libyans a mighty army with great numbers of chariot and horsemen? Yet when you relied upon the Lord, remember he was outnumbered more than two to one, yet when you relied upon the Lord, he delivered them into your hands. Verse 9, very important verse. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Now Asa... You have done a foolish thing, and because of that, you will now be at war. So what happened? There's three mistakes we'll see here in this chapter. Mistake number one is, Asa stopped trusting God. He had been trusting God. All the past history proved right. Two to one against him. God came through. Absolute miracle. He forgot. He now makes a treaty to prevent his country being blocked in, but he forgets to ask God, God, should I do this, or do you have another plan? How easy it is for us to let our minds lean to our own understanding, isn't it? How easy to back up. It's got all this history. See, but it's easy now to go, well, we, we got it this far, God. Thanks, thanks a lot. We can take it from here on out. No, we can't take it from here on out. Neither can you take it from here on out. I need God. I need his wisdom. But Asa did his own thing. Don't do your own thing. Do God's thing. Don't rely upon ourselves. In hearing about the story of Asa, Pastor Mark reminded us never to give up hope for our lost friends and loved ones. When people are in distress, they often look for hope, which we know they can find in God. 
We also heard how leaders need to be encouragers, especially when we see others doing the work of the Lord. God helped Asa's kingdom to prosper, even when it looked like they would be crushed. Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. The messages that you hear each day here on Lessons for Living were produced from messages that Pastor Mark shared at the main campus in Melbourne. It's our prayer that this teaching from God's Word blessed and encouraged you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. We want to take this time to invite you to join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. Now, the next time you join us here on Lessons for Living, we continue through Second Chronicles. We'll see how Asa takes matters into his own hands. Until this time, Asa had been a man seeking God, but as he goes forward, his decisions come from his own mind and not God's heart. Pastor Mark will explain what should happen in a Christian's life over time, as opposed to what we will see happen with Asa. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right.